Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The second reading is um, Nehemiah chapter 12 verses 27 to 47. It's on page 408 in your pew Bibles. Nehemiah 12 starting at verse 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness with thanksgivings and with singing and cymbals, harps and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal, from the region of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate and after them went Hashiah and half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah and Jeremiah and certain of the priests' sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Madaniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachur, son of Asaph. And his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Melali, Gilali, Maai, Nethanel, Judah and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. At the fountain gate they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshana and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate and they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Meniamin, Micaiah, Elianai, Zechariah and Hananiah with trumpets, and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Azai, Jehohanan, Malkajah, Elam and Ezer and the singers sang with Jezrehiah as their leader and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day men were appointed over the storerooms 
the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. Amen. Good morning. Well, we are, um, we are coming towards the end of Nehemiah and we are getting to sort of the, um, the real end of the ministry of Nehemiah to the Judean people, to the people in Jerusalem. And indeed also, as we know, there's a very large portion of the ten northern tribes that had escaped the northern part and joined into Jerusalem. They're, they're still there, they're part of the, the overall Israel that we now know today. They are still the twelve tribes. We're going to be talking about today is about giving thanks to God. Um, do you want, if you want to make a list of the things that we need to be thankful for, you could spend some time, a long time. But we're also going to be talking about are we, are we indeed giving thanks to God in the way we ought to? It could be interesting to consider if our love of the Lord is actually evident in the way we conduct our lives each and every day, but not only each in the day, but also in the way we show our gratefulness to God when we come together like today in a worship situation where we are coming to praise him, to give thanks to him. And if you consider Nehemiah's display of joy and how he has arranged for this celebration today in this book, and how he also involves the entire population, not just the musicians and the singers and, and a few, no, he takes all of them in to have this celebration because it's all involved. As we have seen right through the book on so far, there's all the names, everyone is involved and God cares for every single one of them. So let us pray that God will give us a true appreciation for what Nehemiah has given us to read here today. Let us pray. Our loving and gracious Father, we do come to you that you may, through your spirit, lift our hearts and spirit that we will rejoice in knowing you personally, that you have called us by name. You have put our name in your book of life, that we will be with you for all eternity. Lord, may we truly come to that understanding and rejoice in the fact. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At the dedication of the wall in Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places. 
to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, harps and lyres. Maybe you had Psalm 100 read by Marie. Maybe, maybe Nehemiah had this in mind, this particular psalm that David wrote. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, it starts. Well, you and I also know how to do that, don't we? I mean, we really do know how to do that. We come here to serve every Sunday with words of praise. We come here to sing songs of worship. But it's also, question is, is that purely, is that really restricted just to the few of us that assemble here on a Sunday morning? Well, I think according to David, when he writes this psalm, I don't think he thinks in terms of just those that are here. And I think Nehemiah sort of thought, no, everyone's got to be involved. But David goes one step further, doesn't he? He says, all the earth. David is convinced that the whole of creation, in fact, David has been told by God the Father that he, God, wants all of creation to be aware of the blessings that are poured out on the land in the sun and the rain and the creation that was given to them to live in. But see, sadly, that is not the case. That's not the reality we live in. It is not going to happen that all the creation is going to rejoice and give thanks to God. Not until Jesus returns anyway. David furthermore urged people of God, God's people, to serve the Lord with gladness. I sincerely hope when you serve the Lord it is with gladness rather than a task and a, and a, and a trauma in your life. But sometimes I know we are weighed down by the world we live in, the, the conditions that we live under. We may also be in a time of mourning for that matter. Our governments, we despair because they are disrespecting the Lord and our MPs that we elect to put in there to govern for us don't seem to fully comprehend that they are there by the grace of God. We are told in Romans 13, for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. I don't think our MPs actually get that. They don't understand it. So even if we are glad to serve them in our hearts, I guess sometimes we do struggle a little bit. But see, our loving Father is all compassionate, he's merciful, and of course, as we know, his love endures forever. He understands our heartaches and the distractions that are inflicted on us, and yet we should also remember to live not in our strength, but we are to live in his strength by his spirit. The only thing I hope we all feel, however, is the joy in our hearts when we woke up, wake up on a Sunday morning and we're heading to a warm, supportive fellowship brought about by God's calling of us. I mean, I get up on Sunday morning, probably more than others, and thinking this is a day of joy. This is the day where I'm going to share with my brothers and sisters in worship of my God that called me and saved me through his son. But we can also, as the psalm says, we can come into his presence with singing. Face it, we are, we are a church. 
that really enjoys singing. It's one of the few churches I've been to where the singing really is full of joy. It is, you can feel it when you walk in here. And also when we celebrate the love that God has for us. But back in Jerusalem with Nehemiah, verse 28, that the sons of the singers gathered together, and from the districts surrounding Jerusalem, and from the villages of Nepotitis, and also from Beth Gilgal, and from the region of Giva, Asmavath, and the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. Well, they're travelling distances. Some of them are five miles away, some of them are 35, 40 miles away. They've built these villages for themselves. But travelling long distances to worship doesn't worry the people that truly love the Lord. No distance is going to stand between you and God, is it? Even if that may be different for the people living in the cities and from the people that are living in the country. Country people tend to uh, see distances very different to us in the cities. Then there are those special times, isn't there? When you put in a little extra effort. And in Judea, this is certainly, this day is one of those times. Nehemiah has called them all together, they're all to come into Jerusalem to celebrate and to dedicate uh, the restored walls, the gates, and everything that's been rebuilt, dedicate it to their Lord God. We have also what we call those special days that we put in that little extra effort. It's called Christmas celebration of the birth of the Son, Jesus Christ, and is also Easter, where we come together to both celebrate but mourn the death, but also the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're special times. Of course, in the main, they understand that without God, in Nehemiah, without God, those walls, those gates, and all that work could never have been completed. And that is what this celebration Nehemiah is having here. This is what it's all about. It is about God's provision for his people. They sought the Levites in all their places and bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness. The restoration of Jerusalem was beyond important to the nation of Israel. Firstly, it's a sign of the restoration of the people itself. In so many ways, it is actually a sign of the salvation of the, God's people and the outpouring of God's mercy on them as they returned from the captivity and the, and, and the slavery. But this is about coming together also in fellowship and celebrating the blessings of God. And we are taught about that, how we should come together in, in celebration. We are taught about it in Hebrews. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is a habit of some, but encourage one another, and as more of you see the day drawing near. That is, the day of Jesus' return. Nehemiah obviously knew here of the importance that they had to have a true understanding, a comprehension that they were one people under God. They were twelve tribes, but they were one people. Living together, working together, and worshipping and celebrating together. God did not create us to be alone, to sit by themselves. Uh, and Sometimes in history you've had people that went up and sat on top of poles 
the reason they sat up there by themselves for a long distance of time is they didn't want to live amongst the sinful people forgetting that they too were sinful but we are after all we are meant to be in fellowship he made it possible for us to procreate he made us possible to have families that we may enjoy them that we may care for them and that we may be part of training those families in, in godliness we are called after all when we talk about ourselves we are brothers and sisters in Christ we are one, we are one family in verse 30 it says and the priests and Levites purified themselves they purified the people and they purified the gates and the wall I don't know whether the wall had sinned or done anything wrong but interesting to note Nehemiah keeps speaking of purification but not only of the people but also of the walls and the gates and everything around it God's grace is indeed about restoring the entire creation it's not just about human beings then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks two great choirs the beginning of all worship starts with thanksgiving one choir went south on the wall to the Dungate what they do is they get on top of the wall you can imagine now we have a choir that are walking with half the population on top of the wall you can imagine the size of that wall that was built in 52 days they're walking south they're going one way around the wall then we have later on in verse 38 37 they also we have um, uh, the other choir which uh, those great thanks went to the north and followed them with all the people so they have these two choirs that are walking up on the wall and they go right around Jerusalem on top of the wall and where did they end up? well one choir was led by the priest Ezra so he's leading the southern walk and then the other choir, the northern tribe, the northern side is led by the governor, Nehemiah so you have the representative of the king and the priest both of them leading their people to the northern end Ezra and Nehemiah in this case represents the king and the priest they are representing as we saw in Moses Moses and Aaron, Moses was the God's representative king and Aaron was the priest so we are back there, we are having these two people leading the people and they are now, both of those choirs have arrived at the temple God's building, God's house so both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God and I and half the officials with me and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away no doubt referring to Tobiah and all the people that had tried to stop them building the wall in the first place they would have heard this celebration it would have cut them to the heart let me stress the importance of this the king and the priest had come together as one they are now in God's house as one one family, one people to give thanks and worship in the history of the Bible we also find a king and priest being one once before we have in Hebrews 7 we read 
This Melchizedek was king of Salem and the priest of God Most High. He was written up, he was standing before Abraham. He was written up as the king of Salem, the king of peace, and, the, and of course the king of God Most High. So he was both in one at that time. He was pointing us towards Jesus Christ, because that's the next one. We're also told in Hebrews 7.17, For it is declared, you, Jesus, you are to be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. It's not only, it's only in Jesus in the time to come that we are living in and when he returns. That only then that those two offices come together forever as one, where the king and the priest is the one. They are brought together for all eternity. This ought to have been a very strong sign, however, for the people of Judah and Jerusalem. They should have known about this. They should have known and understood it because they have all of this is pointing them to the coming Messiah. He is to be born 400 years later. It's proclaimed in Isaiah 53, the chapter 53, is all about the Son of God that is to come, to suffer, to die, to be resurrected. As well, of course, as other parts of the Old Testament. Everything we read from Genesis through is all appointing us towards the Son of God. It also ought to have been a clear message to the temple leaders that day in the day of Jesus it should be possible for them, however, to be more important for them than what they were doing. For you and I today it's also, of course, important as we read the historical account of what happened and the warnings issued to all the people in the Old Testament and in the New the entire Old Testament points us to Christ. The Gospel points us again in the New Testament, speaks of the deity of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and Him as being our Redeemer, our Saviour. We have a world that probably present more than ever in history is rejecting all of this teaching in the Bible. So it is in the middle of all this, it becomes not about us as a group, but it becomes about you as a person, as an individual. And where you, where you stand on that truth. Is that truth revealed to you through his Holy Spirit, deeply embedded in your heart? Is it that how you live your life? Is this a truth you'd be willing to suffer for? Suffer as the prophets of old did? They were haunted, killed, the apostles lived and died for that truth? The whole book of Nehemiah seems to be about you and I and how the Lord God in fact have restored you and I as individuals but to bring us in to unity in one to be in fellowship, to be worshipping and serving him with our whole life. We will, of course, with some sadness, be reading in the coming weeks, uh, coming to Mark, when we go through chapter 13 of Nehemiah, we will read the sadness about the people of Judah and Jerusalem and their incredibly rapid decline from this high point. 
to a real disaster and their lack of devotion to God that was so gracious to them. All we can do is, in response to this today, is to pray and hope that this is not going to be repeated in our day with us, you and me. When you read this account of the dedication of the wall that the gates and the worship that comes out of it, I actually think the details described for us are of less importance than the spirit in which they are conducted. The spirit in which they went to the walls and climbed up the walls and went in, that spirit was high, it was led by God. Then they also fell away. It was about the music and the singing, just as we today encourage to sing praiseworthy songs to God that are theologically correct, that teaches us the truth. Singing such as, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. The songs we've had today that celebrates the God that we have, or crown him with many crowns. There's so many songs, but they need to be theologically right. Our young people in churches today, they know the songs by heart. And guess what? The songs they sing is where they get their theology and their teaching. So when you get songs that don't use godly words and teaching, they get the wrong theology. It happens too often. With the important underline that all songs must be according to the Bible. It must be correct. And it's about also rejoicing, of course. Just consider verse 43 here. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy and the women and children also rejoiced. One verse has got six times that it's joy and rejoicing. Do you think it's important? Of course it is. Both the singing and the rejoicing was a spiritual event in their people's lives. Consider also what we've been given in Galatians in 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness and faithfulness all part of the joy we feel when we think of our God. Nehemiah, however, is not finished yet. It's not just come to the celebration and that's the end of his ministry. It's actually ongoing. Just as we do on Sundays, we have our celebration and rejoicing and singing, but come Monday, the church has to be maintained, the work has to be done, there has to be people doing it. In verse 44, on that day men were appointed over the storerooms, the contribution, the first fruits and the tithes to gather them in the portions required by law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields and towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. What Nehemiah has had to do was remind them that the work is not done. The walls have been built, but the work's not done. The celebration has been done, but the work is not done. It was whilst they were worshipping in the holy temple of God that Nehemiah completed or tried to complete the task of appointing the men to oversee the distribution of the first fruit and tithings to the people that dedicated their lives to serve at the temple. And of course, that service was also for the benefit of all of the people. The tradition of serving 
and tithing has never stopped, even if in some quarters it's been misused. But that doesn't change the truth and the need for having that in our lives. We will, by the time we come to end of Nehemiah, this wonderful book we are reading, also come to an understanding that even though Nehemiah had achieved great things, just think of it, the building of the wall, reunification of the people, putting it all together, everything had been done through him by God. He could not just rebuild a people for God with a once of a lifetime effort. It was an ongoing effort. With man, that's the way it will always be. It's an ongoing ministry to his people right up until the day that Jesus returns to be with us. Let us now not grow weary or tired. Let us encourage each other each and every week to persevere in God's strength as we are told in 2 Timothy. Let me finish with that. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Certainly, it was Nehemiah's and Ezra's job to prepare the people. But that does not excuse the people from not preparing themselves. The same goes for you and I here today. We are, as a unit, preparing and training and helping and encouraging each other but it is also the individual's responsibility to be the man, the woman, that we need to be when we stand before Christ on that last day. May he bless all of you with all that deeply embedded in your heart, that we need to worship him as the God that he is, the saviour of your soul. Let us pray together. Our loving Father, we come before you to thank you for your goodness, for all that you are and always will be, for the blessings that you poured out on us, but for the Holy Spirit, Lord, without whom we would not understand. We thank you for him and we thank you for the blessing it is that we have his guidance each and every day. May we listen to him, Lord. May we do what he asks of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.